You, let's get down to business. Welcome to the Shaw's Law Podcast. I am your host, Rob Shaw, a.k.a. The Pod God. Today we're here to talk Denver Nuggets, and we have a real Denver Nugget fan on the line. He's been rocking with the team since the uniforms had mountains on them. I got the homie Cade Walker on. What up, Cade? What's up, Rob? How's it going? Not bad, not bad at all. How long have you really been a Nuggets fan? Like, how, how deep does this fandom run? All right, so I grew up in Denver. Uh, so I've watched the Nuggets basically my whole life. But I remember uh, the first year I really started tuning into them was, uh, well, the, it was the Mellow era, really. So it was the Mellow Allen Iverson era. So uh, that was the, the the Thuggets, as they were referred to, you know, Kenya Martin and um, J.R. Smith, that, that squad. And then... Um, then with uh, Chauncey Billups, after that, that uh, that was a great run, that uh, 09 Western Conference Finals run. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've uh, followed the team basically, basically since then, and then uh, then I've, I started covering them um, just uh, basically the past two seasons. So, okay, first thing, let's address this. I need you to settle beef for me. Better quasi racist nickname: Thuggets or Jailblazers? <laughs> um yeah uh, i i mean i like the thuggets more just i mean they're tied to a like the, that classic uh navy blue jersey and you know you you always picture you like Kenyon martin when you think of that right like it's a very specific era um but yeah i mean it's that's a that's pretty iconic to me personally um so Kenyon martin will always have a special place in my heart because he was on like those Nets teams I first saw, like my first NBA game, and he was just running around dunking, and he's he's just fun. Can we address that your 2009 Nuggets team with Mello and Billups should have went to the finals, but they just could not inbound the ball? Oh, absolutely, man. I don't think uh, I don't think Nuggets fans still have forgiven Anthony Carter for that. So. Uh, and I mean, Trevor Ariza still, <laughs> you know, on that inbound play. Um, yeah, it, I mean, inbound plays have been uh, plaguing the Nuggets. <laughs> um, I mean, like, same thing happening at Portland two years ago in the in the second round. Not to the, the degree that it happened against the um, the Lakers in 09. But I mean, yeah, I, I feel like the Nuggets would have gone to the finals that year. And I think they would have beat um beat Orlando that year too. I mean, it's very possible. I think they were the better team. So. All right. In my mind, um, huge mellow guy. So I was watching a lot of nuggets that season, like not, I, I was young, so I didn't have league pass, but I was anytime they were on national TV, I was watching them. So in my mind was, were there two bad inbounds in that series? Cause for some reason I remember there being two bad inbounds in that series. Or is it just like, was that a running theme of that season? Of the 09 season? Yes. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I think thought Kenyon had... Martin had a bad inbounds uh, versus the Lakers as well. Or I, think... I made that up. Uh, no, I think, I think you might actually be right. But I think the, the more important one was in, um, I think was in that game, that game six, Anthony Carter and Trevor Ariza just... Um, pick that lane so that I think that one was the the one that Nuggets fans remember most so the one that I remember leads to a Derek Fisher right wing pull up three 
and I just know it's coming because Fisher's left-handed and the ball is never near his left hand. So he's shooting all the way because it's so much easier to square off the opposite hand. So as he's coming down, I'm like, he's going to shoot. He's going to shoot because it doesn't touch his left hand. So like, I'm like, oh my God, this guy is squaring to the basket the whole time. He has no intention of stepping inside that line and boom, a Derek Fisher, big shot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Favorite nugget all time. Okay. Well, I mean, he's only been a nugget for a few years. I mean, Nikola Jokic, it has to be, I mean, I'm, I'm 20 years old. So, uh, I've I've only watched basically since the Carmelo Anthony era, and I loved Melo growing up. Melo was my guy. Um, definitely left Denver in a uh, controversial way. I basically just forced himself out of Denver, go to New York. Um, so there's still a little bit of uh, a little bit of contempt there. But you know, I loved Melo when he was here. Um, but I mean, before Jokic, I would have to say Chauncey Billups. Well, he's a Denver guy through and through. Oh, for sure. All right. Um, so that covers your favorite all-time nugget. And the, my next question is your favorite current nugget. If he's your favorite all-time nugget and he's still on the team, it's safe to say Joker's your guy? Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Your favorite Nuggets memory? Uh, okay, so the Nuggets have been, I mean, mostly mediocre for the past decade and a half. I mean, they had that Western Conference Finals run, which was great. Um, then they had the the Gallinari years, which was definitely fun. Uh, but I think the most fun that I've had watching the Nuggets was last year's Western Conference Finals run. I mean, you go down 3-1 to the Jazz. Gary Harris comes back. They come back from 3-1. They go down 3-1 to the Clippers. They come back from 3-1. I mean, you do that twice in one uh, in one playoff se- uh, season. It's just it's unprecedented, and it was it was just the most incredible thing to watch um, and, and experience. Just uh, uh, just as a whole, I think just my whole my whole Nuggets memories, all of that. Last year's Western Conference Finals run was the was the most fun that I've had. Really fun Nuggets team, like they play a fun style of basketball, and I. It's not hard to say that it's linked to their two star players being. What's the word? Anti traditional. Like your center plays like a point guard and your point guard plays like a two, but he's also setting screens for the center because the center plays like a point guard. He's picking pop. It's just like their two styles mesh very well. And then Mike Malone went out of his way to look at the talent he had and craft an offense that works for that talent. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, Jamal Murray and, and Jokic aren't, yeah, like you said, they're not really traditional players. Um, Jamal doesn't really put up crazy assist numbers like point guards, but, I mean, those the assist numbers go to Jokic. Um, the, the passes that he makes are incredible, but, I mean, they run that inverted pick and roll, and it's basically unguardable. Uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that, that Joker can do so much on the offensive end, he can score from all three levels. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, really... Uh, it's entertaining to see how, I mean, Malone has built a, a whole scheme around around these two guys. With, I mean, neither of these two guys are like crazy athletic either. I mean, Jokic is. Uh, a lot of people discount Jokic for his lack of athleticism, and I mean, Jamal's not a terribly athletic uh, guy either. I mean, he he can get up. I mean, I don't I don't know if you remember the 
the dunk that didn't count this season on DJ Wilson against Milwaukee. Um, no, but I'm all for Milwaukee slander. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah they, they called a charge on that play. It was ridiculous. Um, definitely wasn't a charge, but the dunk was insane. Well, you would I call mean, Jamal Murray like a sneaky athlete. Like, he'll sneak throw it on you. Like, oh, man, he got the step. What's he going to – oh, wow, shit, he dunked that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he like, his game doesn't – like, he's not predicated on his athleticism. Um, he's He's really skilled, and he's developed that. Um, over the course of the year, a, a lot of Nuggets fans have talked about how um, between the end of the like the regular season and then the beginning of the bubble, he put on a lot of muscle. And I think that that is one of the things that allowed him to take such a large leap. I mean, because Jamal Murray, he was given that max contract last offseason and people were like, man, is he really worth that? Uh, and, and he was basically the same player uh, that season as he was this regular season or this past regular season, and then once he hit the bubble, he took this astronomical leap. I think a lot of that was due to the muscle that he put on, but also he he just added so much to his game. Um, a lot of He developed a lot as a pocket passer in the pick and roll. He also developed a lot as a defender next to Gary Harris. Uh, he's not a great defender by any means, but he's at least average on that end, and he's uh, he's such a great tough shot maker. Some of the, the shots that he was making against the Jazz and the Clippers in the playoffs were just unbelievable. Okay, you brought up tough shot making, and I like to classify scores, not score. There's two kinds of shot makers to me. There's shooters, and then there's scores. Like, James Harden is a score that can shoot a little bit, while Steph Curry is a shooter that can score. What would you call Jamal Murray? Is he a shooter or is he a scorer? I mean, I think Jamal probably fits in more of the Steph Curry role. I think most of his scoring doesn't really come from isolations like like a James Harden. Um, a lot of his offense definitely comes out of the pick and roll. Uh, he can he does have some ISO game that he definitely pulled out in, in the playoffs, but most of his offense, um, I mean, it comes out of the flow of the offense. That uh, Nuggets fans have a have a phrase they call it um, the ball is popping, right? And that's when the ball's really moving. The Nuggets, like you said, they're such a fun style of, of team because a lot of their offense is predicated around ball movement. And Joe... Kate, lost you there for a second. Sorry, I lost you there. Okay, um, we're back. Yeah, yeah, Jokic is obviously the uh, like the linchpin of that offense, the ball movement. And... Um, and Jamal Murray benefits from that, right? I think he's learned over the past few years how to play with Jokic. So I think he scores within the system. And I, so I think, yeah, he's a shooter and that has you know capability of scoring. And I think that's, that's what he showed this postseason. All right, where are you on Michael Porter Jr.? Oh, man. Okay. Uh, First see, of all, Michael I Porter love Jr. the oh, man. <laughs> oh, man, followed by a deep sigh means this is something you think about frequently. And I love that kind of energy. Oh, all the time. I mean, this guy, this guy's ceiling is through the roof, right? I mean, he was first team all bubble this uh, this last year, right? I mean, they played those eight games, and he was he was one of the best players in the bubble just um, from the opportunity that he was given, right? I mean, a lot of the the Nuggets were missing. I mean, Will Barton, Gary Harris were obviously out, so that opened up a lot of opportunity for Michael Porter Jr. to uh, play starter level minutes, and he showed that he is 
capable of being, I think he's capable of being a superstar at some point in time. And he's a legitimate three-level scorer. Um, this guy can can pull up, step back, and he's he can shoot over everybody. Uh, a lot of it, I think, especially this season, um, he gives Michael Malone headaches all the time because his defensive awareness is, uh, it's not the greatest. <laughs> his so, body is his body posture. He's super stiff and upright defensively. For sure. Or, well, for sure. overall, he's stiff and upright. He just a lot of the fluidity that made him such a special prospect in my eyes is gone. And then that guy still went out and found a way to score 20 points playing a completely different game than he used to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I think definitely he lost a little bit of athleticism. Um, a lot of that had to do with the back surgery that he had uh, coming out of college, redshirting his, his first year in the league. And uh, I think he had, he had some drop foot issues as well. So he definitely lost a little bit of athleticism and most of last year's regular season um that was pretty apparent he was really stiff couldn't play defense i think in the bubble there were some flashes i think that you saw that were a little bit more uh athletic than he has looked uh, a little bit less stiff and maybe that's why he performed much better in in the in the the play-in games in the bubble but again he he was so bad defensively that he wasn't really able to play as much during the postseason. So, I mean, he's obviously an incredible, um, incredible scoring talent. And I think something that really gets overlooked with Michael Porter is his rebounding. Uh, if you look on, I think, cleaning the glass, he's in the 100th percentile for uh, his position uh, as a offensive rebounder and as a defensive rebounder. Uh, so he has a really good nose for the ball on the glass. Um, his putbacks, like he, he puts back the ball like all the time. Like it's, um, like it's not an uncommon thing to see him just flying in from somewhere, um, re- creating a really good angle and, uh, and just putting the ball back. Cause he's still athletic enough to do that. And he's, uh, he's basically, he's six ten, can shoot over everybody can jump still over everybody, even with his athleticism still pretty declined. Um, he, he has a good nose for the ball on the, on the glass. Like I said, can score. It's just really defense. Like that's his concern. I think, he has some some potential as a help side defender. Uh, I just don't know how well he's going to be able to contain on the perimeter. It just depends on how much of his athleticism returns. So the thing that has impressed me the most is as he was like such an isolation score and a tough shot maker. And then he just turned into this unbelievable cutter. Like the second he's open, one, I'm sure playing with Jokic helps because like Jokic is going to find you when you're open. But Porter has taken advantage of that, and I just think that's a dramatic change for somebody that's so used to having the ball in their hands. And now he's, oh, my defender is ball-watching, backdoor, and here he is for a long-arm two-hand slam. And like his, his growth as a cutter is something I don't think I would have predicted, but like maybe he's just so wired to be a bucket, he doesn't care how he's getting the bucket. If Cutting is how I'm going to get a bucket. Fine. If I need to get it in isolation, that's fine too. But he's just wired to put the ball in the basket by any means. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's that's the beauty of playing with Nikola Jokic, right? He unlocks so much ability from from a lot of these guys. You see it last season with Jeremy Grant. Um, I, I thought he he took a little bit more of a, an offensive leap just playing next to Jokic. I 
I'll talk a little bit about Jeremy Grant later. But, but uh, I mean, I think with most guys, with the exception of like Tory Craig last year, Jokic was able to uh, make them a better player. I think, I think, I think the stat is when someone is on the floor sharing the floor with Nikola Jokic, their true shooting percentage goes up by like three percent, which is phenomenal. And uh, I think creating opportunities, he's yeah, creating for, open looks for guys for sure, for sure. And one of the things that Jokic himself said actually last training camp was he said, I think Michael Porter can be the best cutter on the team. And uh, Ooh, that's did he the, nailed, he knocked that one out the park. Oh, absolutely. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> he's uh, Porter, you know, like you said, he, he can get those backdoor cuts and he's there's so much margin uh margin of error for Jokic because Porter's such a big body um I mean Jokic creates shots for like 64 Gary Harris right I mean he can sneak in passing lanes create passing lanes um all all over the place but you have a guy who's longer uh bigger and a little bit more athletic with Michael Porter and you just have so much room to operate uh and with a guy like Jokic he takes advantage of that at every every possible opportunity all right so you mentioned Jeremy Grant. So the guys that are gone are Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley. Did you guys lose anybody else of note that I'm not covering? Yeah, uh, Tory Craig was. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, missed the layup, man. I thought Jamal Murray was going to strangle him in the Utah series oh, when he missed man. the layup. Oh and then man, if... Mitchell. Uh, is it Mitchell that gets the look, or is it? It was. Uh, it was Conley. It's Mike Conley. Okay. And yeah. I was like, this dude just missed the layup. Yeah. I mean, if oh, I don't understand, first of all, I don't think he should have even gone for the layup. I mean, he could have just dribbled it out, Jamal, ran the clock out. I don't out. think Jamal Murray should have passed it. Like, right, you're yeah, such a good free sure. throw shooter. Just hold it, bro. Yeah, just, I mean, Jamal's a top three free throw shooter in the league. Uh, yeah, just hold the ball, dribble it out, you know, take your points. Definitely shouldn't have passed it there. <laughs> but yeah, um, that, that could have been that could have been bad. Uh, we could be talking about the Nuggets in a completely different light if that Conley shot goes in. Uh, yeah, yeah, the three biggest subtractions from the last season, Jeremy Grant, Torrey Craig, Mason Plumley. Uh Grant started a little bit at the 4 last season, but in the playoffs he was starting at the 3. Uh you know, Grant last season, he, I don't think he was utilized terribly well in the regular season. Um but once in the playoffs, uh, once the playoffs came, I think uh they used him a lot better. He was basically offensively a 4, stood in the dunker spot a little bit, uh, a lot of catch and shoot for him. Uh, and then defensively, he was really a three. He was a wing guy. And he stuck to Kawhi Leonard most of that Clippers series. And he did a, a fairly decent job, I think. I mean, he limited Kawhi um, and really, really held him down, especially in that game seven. Um, and that's definitely a big loss because, I mean, you look at the Nuggets roster now and the best wing defensive options are like, I mean, Will Barton maybe. So, I mean, it's it's definitely a pretty big loss, I think, with Jeremy Grant. But... I think Detroit overpaid the heck out of him. I mean, what was it? Three years, 60 million, 20 million a yeah, year. Det- uh, too much for him. Detroit was really into your backups this off season. Oh yeah. They <laughs> took Mason Plumlee too. It was a three years, 25 million for him. I, they paid a uh, 85 million combined over the next three years for the, the nuggets bench front court. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Can Mason- you name the other two Plumleys? Yeah. Miles and Marshall. Oh, I, I didn't know if you were going to be able to get Marshall. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, the the Plumley brothers are, uh, it's like the, the Zeller brothers, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, um, 
so you had a sneaky good off-season signing that, like, when I was looking through your roster, I was like, I love this. Green is just a solid NBA player. It's just a good signing that isn't going to – it's not going to get any billboards, but he he can shoot, he defends. He's 80% of – he's not the perimeter defender Jeremy Grant is, but he probably brings like 80% of what Grant – what you lost at like a way cheaper price tag. Yeah. Yeah, I think – Jermichael Green is definitely more of a pure four. Like I, I talked about with Jeremy Grant. He's more offensively a four, but defensively kind of a three, um, more of a perimeter guy. Jermichael Green is a pure four. Uh, I think he's a fantastic catch-and-shoot shooter. Um, I think he'll be able to slot right next to Nikola Jokic um, whenever those lineups are run out. I think he'll do a great job there. You know, I'd even rather have Jermichael Green defensively on someone like an Anthony Davis or like a Pascal Siakam rather than Jeremy Grant. Um, he's a stronger guy, better, much better rebounder. That was definitely one of Jeremy Grant's downfalls was that he was not a good rebounder. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's definitely a plus for him. That, that was definitely a good signing. The Nuggets a hundred percent expected to bring back Jeremy Grant. And I think Tim Connolly has been really open about it, that they expected to bring back Jeremy Grant. Um, but they really made a nice pivot in bringing in Jermichael Green. Uh, so I think that that's good for them. They definitely lost a little bit of uh, depth on the wing in terms of their defense, but I mean, Jermichael Green slots in as as well as can be expected for anybody else. Um, what do you think of the two uh, young players you drafted? Let's start with uh, Zeke Naji. Right. Okay. So I did I did a pretty decent amount of draft work uh, coming into this draft. Um, I put Zeke Naji. I graded him as kind of a high second round grade. I think I had him at thirty seven. Since the Nuggets drafted him, I, I've bought into him a little bit more, but I'm still not terribly excited about him. I mean, I think he has, he has the tools. He's fairly athletic, good rebounder. Um, he has good shooting projection. Um, his form looks really good. So I, I, think, I think I'm starting to buy into him more as a shooter. Uh, but again, I think he's still a little bit uh, ways away. You know, with Zeke Naji, I think he's going to long-term play a four. I think that's at least what the Nuggets are hoping, is he's going to be a four next to Jokic. And uh, he's not... Ideally, I'd want a rim protector next to Jokic. You know, Jokic, I think, is an underrated defender, good at keeping people out of the paint, but he doesn't protect the rim really well. And I don't think that's something Zeke Naji does either. Uh, But Zeke Naji is definitely someone who is athletic enough and quick enough to guard guys both on the perimeter and down in the paint, which is definitely valuable enough as it is. Um, I mean, still looking the past couple of years, we've had Paul Millsap, and he's been the defensive anchor for the Nuggets. And he's not a rim protector either. So I think that defense uh, has definitely worked. I just think Zeke is a, a few years away from being uh, a legitimate uh, contributor. So, so I'm not super I'm, excited about Zeke Naji. Yeah. Not going to lie to you. Like, I'm just not. Yeah, I'm not either. But, I mean, the I, other I think there's, you there's guys potential. But yeah. Oh, the other two. Oh, man. Uh, son, RJ Hampton. Uh, I told you before we started recording that, like, I might come off a little harsh on Gary Harris. This is the point in the show where that happens. <laughs> Every fiber in my bones 
want two years from now the starting backcourt to be Jamal and RJ Hampton. And like some of it is Gary Harris's inconsistent shooting woes drive me up the fucking wall. And then other parts are just like how excited I am about RJ Hampton and how Tim Conley just keeps on beating dudes over the head with these big swings in the draft. Like he sees a five-star guy fall and he's like, yo, yo, let me get Michael Porter. Bobo with a broken foot. We'll take a little bit of that stock. RJ Hampton was a top five kid in his class. And then he went to Australia and you guys soured. Cool. Cool. Bring him over here. We'll take, we'll trade for him. And I'm just like, Tim Conley, warm my heart. Just keep killing these idiots in the draft. Oh, absolutely, man. He's, He's so good at getting value in the draft. It's it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, like you said, all three of those guys, Porter, top-ranked high school guy, Bull Bull, top-ranked high school guy, and then R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton's physical tools are just off the charts. This guy, this guy is already one of the fastest guys in the NBA, I think. He has incredible tools. He's really, really raw still. But, I mean, with the Nuggets player development the past few years, I mean, they've been able to, to develop guys really well. I mean, you think of guys like, like Monte Morris, and obviously they brought on Michael Porter along really well. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're able to unlock guys. And obviously Nikola Jokic, right? Second-round guy, uh, one of the top 10 players in the league. So with the player development system, uh, with the Nuggets, I think R.J. Hampton's going to come along really nicely. And, you know, slotting him in at the two would be a really, really great idea because Gary Harris is 6'4", so he's a little bit undersized at the two. Still a great defensive guard. But, I mean, if you, if you want some length, you want some size, and... I mean, potential. Yeah, that's that's definitely a guy that you want to uh, lock in there for for the foreseeable future. Where was he in your projected rankings? Where was R.J. Hampton? R.J. Hampton. Um, I had R.J. Hampton, I believe, uh, in like the low teens uh, or like, yeah, like 18, 19 range. Um, I'll pull up my list uh, just to make sure. But yeah, like I, I had him way higher than he went um, went drafted. I mean. His, his shooting was definitely a concern for me, but, I mean, he's worked with Mike Miller, um, shooting guru, uh, past couple uh, past couple of months, especially since he stopped playing. So I think his shot, once his shot develops, that's something that's going to be really, really fun to watch because if you, you have a guy like R.J. Hampton, if he can be a league average shooter, um, someone with his speed and a pick and roll with Jokic, he's, he's just going to come flying around those screens like a bullet. Um yeah, so I had I had RJ Hampton at uh actually oh I had him at twenty five. I think it was um it was definitely the shooting concerns for me that uh that held me back on him. His physical tool is phenomenal. He's really raw. It was just the shooting. Um and I'm still I'm still concerned about his shooting, but the fact that he's been working with Mike Miller is definitely an encouraging sign. Um so again, if he can be league average at the two that's that's something. And that's better than Gary Harris. Gary Harris has been um, not a good shooter. I, I don't know what happened to him, man. He was fantastic in that 17, 18 year. Um, he got paid. He like, got and paid. I don't mean that. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, so good before he got the contract, and that's why he got it, and he was shooting so well. And then he got paid, and it disappeared. And I don't think Gary Harris is a, a guy who, oh, I got my contract. I'm st- I stopped working. It just the it happens to coincide this time, and it's like a very easy correlation. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so the thing with Gary Harris is that this guy, this guy is a freak in the weight room, right? 
Um, he, in that 17, 18 year, he put on a ton of muscle. Um, he was really strong. This guy could finish at the rim. Um, really good touch, really great shooter. And I think coming in the next season, uh, they, he had some injury concerns. So I think the Nuggets were like, hey, take a little bit of muscle off, see if your body can handle that more. And I think with the weight cutting, I think he was a little bit more hesitant to finish at the rim. Um, he had a hitch in his shot. So I don't think it was something that he didn't like, he didn't work on it. It wasn't intentional. I just don't know uh, where that hitch came from. So just offensively, he just uh, hit a plateau. Um, a lot of it for him, I think, was injury more so than anything else. Didn't he have a shoulder injury? Uh, I think so. A lot of, most of his injury was core related. He had to have uh, core surgery, I believe. Um, I think hip, he had like hip issues as well. It, I think it was a lot of his leg. I mean, he he had a lot of a lot of injury issues, um, hip and core stuff mostly. Okay, for some reason, I wanted. I thought he had a shoulder injury, and that might be where the hitch in the jump shot came from. Right. Uh, that's what, like a lot of overcompensating comes from. That you get hit in the shoulder. You're you can't lift the way you were supposed to. So I do have uh, at some point have a shoulder injury, um, even dating as far back as his Michigan State days. Okay, yeah. So that yeah, he's, is just something to note. Yeah, I mean he's he's definitely had injury concerns basically his entire his entire career, and that's held him back for sure. I mean the Nuggets didn't even have him at the beginning of these last playoffs because he was hurt, um, and he had most of that. Uh, that hiatus between the end of the season and the beginning of the bubble to, um, to recover. And he still wasn't ready in time, but once he came back, his, his defensive impact was unbelievable. Uh, but again, still offensively, he was hit or miss. Um, Bobo is no longer on a two-way contract. He's nope. just with the big boy ball club. Do you expect to, him to see rotational minutes this year? Uh, okay. So Bobo's opportunity to be in the rotation will probably come as a forward. Uh, I know the Nuggets have talked about him playing. I mean, they in the bubble, even, they played him a little bit of three, which was interesting to me because, I mean, he's he's not a, a body that you want banging down low. Um, he, I think the Nuggets will, will get him minutes, but they're going to bring him along pretty slow, just like they did with Michael Porter last season early on. Um, he's not going to be like a full-time rotational staple, but they're going to get him some minutes. He's definitely going to get some DNPs. Um, I, I think they see him as a long-term piece with potential, but I don't think he's going to be like a mainstay in the rotation this season. All right. Speaking of the rotation, who are your starters this year? Okay. Uh, a lot of this depends on if Will Barton is fully healthy. They've been kind of beating around that bush the past few days um, in, in media and everything. Um, but assuming everyone is fully healthy, I go Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr. I think Paul Millsap's going to start the season at the four, and then Nikola Jokic. Okay. Um, is there a young guy? Doesn't necessarily have to be a young guy. I just normally tend to think in young guys that pops this year that like puts the rest of the puts the casual fan on notice. Okay. Um, someone that we haven't mentioned yet, two guys I, I want to talk about a little bit that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, 
the Nuggets in free agency, uh, to I think the biannual exception, they signed uh, Facundo Campazzo. Uh, he was an Argentinian point guard. He played over. He actually played with Luka Doncic. Um, he he's five eleven, so he's small. But this guy, I don't I don't know if you've watched him at all. If you've watched his uh, his highlight reels at all, but he passes like like a five eleven Nikola Jokic. <laughs> He's uh he's he's fiery. He reminds me of like a sort of like a JJ Barea, but also I mean he's he's really talented. I think he's 30 years old, so he's he's basically won at every single level. Um, his passing is unbelievable. I think that's the main appeal um, to him. And Tim Connolly talked about that, and they've had his uh, their eye on him for a while. Um, he's an unbelievable passer. He's a crafty scorer. Uh, I think he's going to be fantastic in the pick and roll with Jokic. He definitely plays that style. He's going to be really fun to watch. I don't know how much run he's going to get, but I know I, I believe he's going to be in the rotation. Um, wait, wait, wait! He's, he, he's not going to steal minutes from my man who's never turned the ball over once, right? Boston <laughs> Monty Morris has never turned the rock over. Every time he subs in, the first thing the announcer says is. And for the eighth year in a row, Monte Morris has led the league in assist to turnover ratio. Yeah. He just doesn't cough up the pill. He's just solid. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, Monte Morris, he's a great shooter, um, underrated defender. I mean, he's he's such a consistent player year in and year out. Doesn't turn the ball over, runs the bench unit, um, runs that pick and roll. He ran it with Plumlee last year. I think he's going to uh, run it really well with Isaiah Hartenstein this year. Um but I think something that runs along with the MO of the, the Nuggets front office is to put as many playmakers on the floor as you can. And, I mean, Will Barton's an underrated playmaker, and I think he playing him heavy minutes last year um, was definitely something that benefited them. Um, obviously, Jokic is the best playmaking big potentially in NBA history. I mean, I think... Uh, um, I think pretty much indisputably and uh, undisputed in NBA history, best playmaking big. Um, I mean, you have playmakers on the floor all the time. You have Monte Morris, you put out Composito. And I think that's something that Morris talked about in the media scrum a couple of days ago is um, basically they asked him, they didn't directly ask him, Hey, is this guy going to steal minutes from you? But you're like, Hey, what do you think of the Composito signing bringing in another point guard? And he said, I think Malone's going to put as many playmakers out on the floor as possible and I like playing with guys like that, and I think that's going to fit my style. So um, I don't think he's uh, going to steal too many minutes, but they do play the same position, and uh, the Nuggets have a lot of guards. Uh, they have a lot of guards, and especially with someone like P.J. Dozier waiting in the wings, who uh, P.J. Dozier contributed in the playoffs last year, and he's still looking on the outside end of this rotation. So, um, I mean, a lot of guards, a lot of minutes, so I think someone someone has to get their minutes shaved, and I don't know. Who it's going to be. All right. Two more questions for you, Cade. Is this the year you guys get multiple all-stars? Man, looking at the guards in the West. Okay. Jokic is is an all-star. He's going to be an all-star this year. That's a given. Um, Looking at the guards in the West, that's that's going to be tough because Curry's back this year. Mm -hmm. Um, You have Harden, obviously. And, uh, I mean, Donovan Mitchell's even going to give Murray a run for his money. Ah, it's going to be, it's going to be real tough. It just depends on if Jamal can, you know, continue what he did in the playoffs in the regular season. And I mean, I don't know uh, a lot of 
Nuggets media guys and Nuggets fans have talked about guys being an 82-game player or a 16-game player. I think Jamal's more of a 16-game player. So maybe maybe he won't be an all-star this year, especially like I think Devin Booker just snuck into the all-star game last season. And he's going to put more people on notice this year, especially with the Suns being competitive. So, I mean, if someone like Devin Booker barely sneaks into the All-Star game last year, I think it's going to be really tough for Jamal Murray to make it. All right, so the case for Jamal Murray is, uh, I was looking over his stats the other day. I thought he averaged way more points than he does. Like 18, like on a deep team, 18, 18 is good no matter what. But yeah. like, I feel like there's the like second best more- player. There's six more points out there for him. Like, 24 isn't crazy for him, in my opinion. <clears throat> and more importantly than that, this goes into my next question. I think there's a chance that the Nuggets are fighting for the best record in the West. Like, I think there's a legitimate chance. And if LeBron and AD sit out early and the Clippers do Clippery things, there's a chance that come All-Star time, they have the best record. And the NBA loves to reward winning with all-star berths and awards in general. Like, there's just a long history of your team is winning and you might not be the best person for this accolade, but we need to reward winning. Uh, Let me give an example. Uh, The last time the Knicks were good. Um, Mello, third in MVP. But, like, it's the Knicks. It's a big market. Tyson Chandler wins Defensive Player of the Year. J.R. Smith is sixth man of the year. You reward winning. Um, The Hawks team that everybody who ever watched basketball knew was going to get destroyed in the playoffs, (laughs) but but won 60 games, they got four All-Stars. You reward winning. And I think Jamal Murray is just like the perfect Denver is rolling. This guy has star power a little bit coming off of the bubble. Jokic is an All-Star, whether the Nuggets are – the one seed or the 15th place seed he's that good but jamal murray needs a little bit of narrative help like how can the number one seed in the west have only one all-star when the five seed sons are going to get two like those narratives push guys into all-star berths yeah yeah i think you're right and i think if he i mean like you said his his point per game numbers are like 18, right? If he bumps that up, maybe puts up 22 or more, I think he has more of a case. Uh, it, again, it's just the West is just so stacked with guards. You have, I mean, I didn't even mention Damian Lillard. So it's it's just, I don't know. It's really going to be tough for him to find a spot. But I mean, if he puts up better stats, you know, more points per game, like 22, 23, more than that, somewhere in that range, I think he'll have a case. It's just gonna be. It's just gonna be tough. And again, I think it does depend on if the Nuggets, uh, like you said, if the Nuggets have the one seed. I think the Lakers. We're gonna get a lot of uh, Cleveland Lebron energy, a lot of coasting a little bit. I think. Um, Clippers. I I don't buy the Clippers at all. I mean, we watched the Western Conference Finals last year, so I'm mean, yeah. I think if the Nuggets have the one seed, that's that's probably his best route. Um, do you think they have a chance at the one? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think so. Jokic is incredibly durable. I mean, if if you have Jokic playing, you have a chance to win. Uh, um, you have a chance to win basically every single game. Uh, I don't know if you remember last year, uh, just after the trade deadline, the uh, Utah game, the Nuggets had seven eligible players. 
and uh, it was it was like Nikola Jokic. Um, I think they had Tory Craig starting at the four, and their entire bench was composed of PJ Dozier and Vlatko Chanchar. So they had and seven this guys. This is right after this is right after you guys moved uh, Wancho and uh, Malik, correct? Right, and Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, um, yeah. Vanderbilt. So they had yeah they had uh, Gary Harris starting at the three, um, and then Monte and um, I don't remember if Jamal was hurt that game or not, but um, that it was. It was ridiculous how like it was a seven man rotation and the bench was PJ Dozier and Black Coach Anchar. It was a, a two way guy and a guy who just didn't play minutes ever. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and and the Nuggets won that game. So, and it was because of Nikola Jokic putting up. I think he put up thirty twenty and ten that game, which was unbelievable. So I, if you have Jokic, you have a chance at. Um, I think. A team with Nikola Jokic and at least one other really good player like Jamal Murray, they're going to be a top four seed, uh, even with as deep as the West is. And I think they're going to be better this regular season than they were last regular season. Um, Jeremy Grant wasn't terribly good in the regular season, so I don't think his loss is too big. Replacing him with Jermichael Green, I think that that's fine. Um, and everyone, I mean, Michael Porter is going to be a year better. Jamal Murray's going to be a year better. Jamal Murray's 23. Um, Jokic is 26. So, I mean, these guys these guys are all a year better. Um, the big concern for me is Paul Millsap's decline. We saw that a little bit in the bubble. I I hope he can still be the defensive anchor that he was. I think the Nuggets are just as good as they were last year, if not better. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the homie Cade Walker. That is Cade C. Walker on Twitter, and he writes for Mile High Sports. Yes. So plug, just plug us something. Like, what, what do you got in the tuck? What, what's coming for the season? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, this the past few months for Mile High Sports, I've been doing a lot of Colorado Rockies coverage. Um, so I've been a lot of, I, but I do words for the Nuggets as well. So I write Nuggets. And uh, coming soon, might be hosting a Denver Nuggets pod for the season, so um, Denver and Nuggets that's daily. What we like to see. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, so that's that's in the works, and uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter. We'll update you that uh, update you when that comes out, and uh, that's that's uh, then that's next in the wings for me. So, all right, Cade, appreciate your time. If the, if your podcast does start and you're looking for a guest, I am always down to chit chat hoops because that's what I do. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this has been the Shaw's Law Podcast. Special shout out to our guest, Cade Walker. Make sure you follow him on the Twitter. That is Cade C. Walker of Mile High Sports. Um, To thank him for giving us a little bit of his time, just, just go hit that follow button. Thank you so much for having me on, man. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the Shaw's Law Podcast. Please. Rate, subscribe, review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. I'll catch y'all later.